are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening? Welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast, your episode for Wednesday, June the 19th, and Mike Conley is on the move. This is your boy Matt Shook, a sports writer here in Detroit City covering the NBA for the Detroit News and Associated Press, Pistons fan and follower my whole life, and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for spreading the word about the podcast. It's draft day tomorrow in the NBA, and on today's show we're going to talk about a little bit of the chatter around the league, most notably Mike Conley being moved, and we're also going to talk about another name that might be available in a trade that the Pistons should explore as well. We're also going to talk about a few more of the guys today that we've missed from some of the draft profiles, kind of a catch-all day, and we're going to close up with a listener request of a draft profile of a player we should check out, and that is Florida State's Fiondu Cabangale, a six foot nine center for the Seminoles that I kind of like, and I'm glad that Bravo uh, brought this one up to me on Twitter there. So check us out, by the way, on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore for that. Also the Locked on Pistons Twitter account, and check us out on Facebook at Locked on Pistons dash Matt Shook. But the Locked on NBA mock draft is underway. The local experts are hard at work in each of the war rooms, Giving you the picks, Jeremy Wu of SA.com is breaking down each of them, and Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy Basketball is breaking it down as well, all at Locked On NBA. So the biggest news of the day, Mike Conley is on the move, and not to Detroit. The Memphis veteran point guard is off to the Utah Jazz. Been linked to them for quite some time. He's going to be replacing Ricky Rubio on an upgrade for the Utah Jazz point guard situation. In return, the Grizzlies get Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen, Kyle Korver, this year's number 23 pick and a future first that likely conveys in 2022 strong protections on both sides for both teams over the next couple of years. It can't go too early and it can't go too late if, it, if it's uh, over the next couple of years. That protects the Jazz in case they have an injury or are bad over the next couple of seasons. They don't lose a lottery pick, but also protects Memphis. They aren't getting something in the 20s over the next couple of years and then the protections loosen up after that. It's a good haul for Memphis, more than I expected. There isn't that top-line asset that blows you away. You always kind of want a trade to be led by something that you're really happy about acquiring, and I don't know that there there is that for Memphis, but they kind of make up for it by sprinkling in uh, a bunch of pretty good assets. Uh, three real good ones, uh, basically. I say pretty good, I guess. One with Grayson Allen and then the picks, but uh, then you also got Kyle Korver and Jay Crowder in there, who could be tradable, definitely not cap killers nonetheless, guys that are res- expiring after this this upcoming season. So Jay Crowder, one year left at $7.8 million, tradable asset to a better team, and um, yeah, less so probably for Kyle Korver at $7.5 million, possibly tradable at the trade deadline as an expiring deal, or maybe they're buyout candidates. I'm not sure on the trade market. At this point, there's so many teams in flux that I wonder how this all kind of shakes down. But, uh, you know, sometimes teams will do a solid for veteran guys and, and buy them out and, uh, let them kind of um, play their full seasons wherever they wherever they want to play. Uh, you know, that kind of thing helps the old agent-team relationships for future guys, which obviously we saw the Celtics uh, lost uh, kind of lost their favor in a lot of agents' minds, and, and now the Hal Horford thing from yesterday where uh, he opts out and, and probably going to be moving on to another team, as predicted here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast on Tuesday, by the way. But... Um, you know, when we talk about the Pistons and their links to Mike Conley, which we've talked about many times on this show, as you would imagine, um, some offers that could have been made, 
Uh, the Pistons obviously just don't have a lot of assets, so it would have had to have been very draft pick heavy. Um, if you wanted to go something similar to what uh, Utah was offering, you know, have have a Bruce Brown take the place of the Grayson Allen in that deal, uh, offer this year's 15, and maybe you could um, protect the future pick a little bit more since 15's, you know, a better pick than 23. Uh, or you probably needed to include Luke Kennard. Luke is a better asset than anything that the Jazz or that the the Grizzlies got in this deal, so you wouldn't have to sweeten him up with much. Of course, you in that scenario. Uh, and most scenarios, uh, given the salaries, um, you know, the 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 roles of Jay Crowder and uh, Kyle Korver would be played by a Langston Galloway and maybe a John Luer. Um, of course, uh, maybe Reggie Jackson would need to be included to make his salary work as well. All those guys expiring after next season, too. Um, and then maybe like uh, Reggie, Luke, and one first, um, and not the two that Utah had to give up because uh, Luke's that good of an asset. Uh, not a great, uh, you know, franchise-changing asset, but a good, a very good asset there. But, um, but you know, it sounds like from the last trade deadline that uh, the Pistons didn't want to include Luke Kennard, and that makes sense. He's a controllable and uh, good player that hopefully continues to get better and get more consistent and becomes um, can, part of the future foundation for the Pistons, as we kind of believe he will be. The other big uh, NBA scuttlebutt, well, not that big, but, but big as it pertains to the Pistons, has to do with word... From uh, Woj, they did one of those mock draft specials on TV um, again and talked about how the Suns are offering Josh Jackson and TJ Warren uh, for trades. Uh, the word is that the TJ is being made available for possibly even a second round pick. This is something the Pistons have said to uh, have been said to want to explore. They've been linked in these kind of deals, and they should be. Uh, TJ Warren is under contract for three years, about eleven million dollars per year over the next few. Um, let me double check that. Actually, it might just be two years. Yeah, actually, yeah, three years. Three more years of John of uh, T.J. Warren at eleven per. Um, now, to make the salary work, you might have to uh, toss in like a John Lure or something like that. And then when you throw in Lure, you're going to have to throw in something more of value to make up for the fact that you threw in Lure to make the salary work. So, um, you know, a second in John Lure won't get it done. You'll probably have to uh, pile on some more seconds, which Pistons don't have. Or you could maybe see the Pistons offering like a heavily protected first uh, and John Luer for, for T.J. Warren. That could be something that they could do. I think the 15 would be too much. Although maybe something like John Luer and number 15 pick in the draft for uh, T.J. Warren and you could come back with some other um, pick that the, that the Phoenix has in the draft that's a little bit lower. I don't have their picks in front of me right now, but uh, assuming they might have a, an early second rounder or something like that, that, that you could still come away with this draft with something that you like and then add T.J. Warren to the mix as well. Um, you know, it, it's uh, who is T.J. Warren? He's a 25-year-old from NC State, uh, obviously not a guy that you hear a lot about being a, a player who's played for the Phoenix Suns for the past five years, but he did just finish his fifth NBA season. He quietly almost got 20 a game the year before this past year, uh, got 18 a game this year, and quietly, like I said, because it's sleepy Phoenix and they're awful, but he's turned himself uh, with a, apparently a lot of hard work into a great three-point shooter last season. Um, you know, it, not very good leading up to the last season, but 42.8%. Um, there's probably not a world where that gets duplicated throughout the course of a of a full season. He played only half the season last year. Uh, had kind of like a mystery right ankle soreness type of injury that just lingered, and he stayed off the court for a long time. Kind of dragged on. But uh, you wonder with Phoenix, you know, how much of the tanking strategy played into that. Um, for him not coming back. But, um, 
you have to remember a lot of these stats are empty stats on a bad team. Someone has to score. Um, the defensive numbers aren't good for him. And uh, the, the anecdote I test is that he's, you know, can be okay, um, you know, on the ball. Can't really switch on guards. Not quick enough laterally for that. And then bad on uh, help defense. So not really understanding a lot of defensive concepts. However, given that you're playing for a different coach every year, you're playing alongside guys that also aren't um, impact defensive players as well, you could see where that could kind of go sideways. So maybe took more stock into the average to below average defensive uh, individual um, eye test type of stuff than maybe his uh, defensive rating, which can be you know, adjusted by your team and the, the guys that are around you out on the court as well. So that's kind of the, the scuttlebutt right now. I don't really see a Josh Jackson scenario for the Pistons. Um, he's just kind of a dog right now, and I don't see that a lot of teams are interested in him. But you probably will have that one uh, team that says we like the, the core, we like the, what's underneath the surface there, and we're going to try to dig it out and see if we can make that happen for us. And we'll close with some talk about some of the uh, Kentucky kids on tomorrow's show, but we're also going to take a listener request about a draft profile a little bit later too. But like we said, when you're driving to work or from work or around town, all you got to do is tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Pistons, and we will be right there with you for the drive. But want to hit some of these catch-all guys for draft mini draft profiles, and we'll start off with Goga Batadze of Georgia and Matisse Thibel of Washington, a couple of intriguing prospects there that land somewhere in the mid to late first round, which, uh, I mean, the Pistons are just in this crazy position where um, there's not a lot of guys that are slipping outside of the top 10 in the draft, but then you go from like 11 to 30, and there's just a lot of movement in some of these mock drafts about where some of these guys end up, and uh, Goga Patazzi is a guy who I've seen um, at some points in this process as like a late double digits or single digits kind of guy. So, um, but also a guy who's in the 20s at times. Thibault, on the other hand, is is generally just more of a 20 and below, uh, late first round, possibly even early second round type of prospect. But a couple of guys that catch your eyes for various reasons. But Todsey's a guy that wouldn't shock me for the Pistons at 15 as a backup center. It's not who I would take, but again, wouldn't shock me. Enough of an uncertainty with all these guys kind of that we're talking about on this list that I'd rather miss by taking someone in an extreme position of need with wing. And Batazzi doesn't do quite enough to intrigue me to uh, to put his uh, lack of need for the Pistons' uh, deep future in terms of impact players. Um, because, because that's what it's got to be. It's got to be an impact player for the Pistons in this draft. You don't want to go uh, safe. You don't want to go you know, Cameron Johnson because he's got a decent shot and uh, could be plug-and-play and be decent for this team right away. You want to get someone who... Ideally, could play in a backup role kind of right away, but more importantly, could develop into something very good uh, in the future. Uh, so, so you know, Batad sees a guy who might be able to play a little backup center uh, this year, but that would be a bit of a stretch for him. So the foot speed is an issue. That's a, that's a problem for him ongoing. Got a good-looking shot, good fundamentals offensively, good feel for things offensively, a screener and a passer as well and can provide good rim protection defensively. But again, not uh, the footwork that you might want to see from a big man in today's NBA where sometimes you get to uh, be asked to switch on to smaller guys. Again, I'm not going to scream and yell if they do pick him, but he's not in my top 15 for the big board for the Pistons' perspective. Probably slotted somewhere between 15 and 20 uh, for this draft. But uh, Matisse Thibel, as I mentioned, a four-year guy out of Washington, maybe the best defensive player in this draft. 
not much else there right now offensively, but has the athleticism to possibly develop there. A decent shooter and someone who uh, has got a nice uh, form there that, that could turn into an okay, passable uh, three-point shooter. He played in the zone for the Huskies in Washington, so it's kind of a little bit hard to say, but just so active defensively in that zone, they kind of let him freelance quite a bit. So he could be like another bulldog on defense with Bruce Brown, but uh, someone, uh, conversely from Bruce, who can actually you know pre- be projected to knock down some shots. But uh, not much else there in terms of offense. A big-time project for the Pistons. But, uh, you know, Dwayne Casey's had some success with th- some of those types of projects in the past in Toronto with, you know, the 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 um, the Fred Van Vliet's of the world and Pascal Siakam and all the success stories with the G League that we've heard about over the years for the Toronto Raptors. But he, you know, if if uh, if, you, if you're one of me, one of these guys that satisfies or wants that uh, defensive first bulldog, you want to be the bad boys part two, uh, he could be a guy that, the, that you might want to look at and that could make a formidable duo with uh, Thibault and Bruce Brown. Again, offensively limited, lim- limited but uh, could be nice compliments to uh, guys who are the primary offensive players, especially with Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson kind of uh, dominating the ball for now with this Pistons team. But again, with Thibault, probably not at 15, but uh, certainly in that trade-down scenario where maybe they're catching a couple of picks for teams that want to move up, uh, he could be a guy that you look at. But uh, look, I mean, all these wings, it's kind of a crapshoot. Uh, six foot five, long arms for Thibel. So um, if it's a guy they like, I mean, we, you know, we don't, we're not going to kill uh, most of these draft picks on the night that they get picked. Um, that's not just not how it works, unless they make a a severe tactical error, er, error where they could have had a trade and uh, took a guy, reached on a guy that uh, they didn't need to take at that point. Then maybe um, that's where some grounds for some complaining comes in. But for the most part, drafts, you know, unfortunately, we're not going to know for years whether uh, this was a, uh, uh, certainly a good pick or not a good pick. We'll have some indications after year one, even more after year two. But, um, you know, it's going to be hard for me to come and scream and yell about uh, the number 15 pick of the draft on Thursday night, and hopefully I don't have to do it. So, um, And I wanted to mention some second-round guys that I like as well. Again, we're going to touch on the Kentucky guys tomorrow. But um, Casey Akpala of Stanford, Isaiah Roby of Nebraska, and Lewis King of Oregon are all guys that I like in the second round at that 45 spot. Um, you know, college players that were productive. And Lewis King, not not so much, but a lot of potential coming into Oregon. Um, and then the high school guys, Darius Baisley, who was a New Balance intern this past year, and Jalen LaKay. Uh, the high school guys, a lot of question marks, a lot of unknowns about those guys, obviously. But as a second rounder at 45, sure, why not? Uh, why not go for it there? But we're going to talk about another intriguing prospect, a listener request here in a minute. But uh, remember, when you're in your car, go ahead and tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Pistons. The Locked on NBA mock draft is underway. The local experts were in each of the NBA team's fake war rooms, making all the selections, and then Jeremy Wu of SI.com revealed how we did. You can hear who I drafted for the Pistons at 15. And uh, we got player breakdowns, Josh Lloyd of Locked on Fantasy Basketball with the fantasy breakdown as well. All of that on Locked on NBA. But I had a request. We're taking some listener requests. Um, not anymore, but uh, we had uh, my guy Bravo on Twitter sneak one in. And he wanted to hear about Fiondu Cobbengelly of Florida State. Um, thanks for listening, Bravo, by the way. But uh, Gelly is coming off of his sophomore year with the Seminoles. Six foot ten with a 7'3 wingspan. A guy who grew a lot from his high school days. So um, maybe there's a little bit more growth there. 
with his body. But, um, you know, it feels like there's a little bit of a lack of feel in his game. Uh, too many bad shots. The ringer.com draft guide called him a bit of a black hole. And that's what I saw in some of the tape that I watched on him too. Uh, 13.6 rebounds in college, and that's super productive. Um, his uncle is Dikembe Mutombo, so yeah, as you can guess, he can block shots. But yes, uh, the more I watch of him, I like him. But like I said, just lacking that feel for the game is probably the biggest negative. Decent-looking jumper, but um, that lack of feel might drop him down a little bit. Uh, and a guy who's you know athletic and, and does a lot of things that you like uh, in terms of uh, being a big body and uh, rebounding the ball on the offensive glass. Uh, but but that's why, like I said, that uh, that lack of feel might be why you're looking at a late first pit round pick or an early second round pick. But if the Pistons do make one of those deals and move down for a pair of picks, you could be looking at him there, maybe late in the first round. I don't see it at 15. I think it's too much of a project in terms of learning the game for a team that um, if you're going to take more of an upside pick, which this would be, that um, you might as well get it at a position where you don't have uh, Andre Drummond, who's a, who's a two-time All-Star, and uh, you have a, a position of need there on the wing. So, again, um, it would be a great gift for the Pistons if you were to slide to 45. I don't see that happening, but you never know. I mean, with centers in this draft, uh, we know how the centers are valued throughout the league, and a lot of uh, teams in the league, probably rightfully so, don't uh, value centers very highly, and that's why, you know, actually after the Jackson Hayes of the world, maybe Bruno Fernando, maybe Daniel Gafford, some of these centers are going to start to fall. Um, so you're going to see guys like Cabin Gele maybe not be uh, as high a picks as they would be in other years or maybe should be, all things being equal for a prospect of his potential. But, yeah, but thanks for the question, and I like him, and I'd love for the Pistons to uh, to draft him if they were able to get him at 45 and even if they were you know, a trade with Brooklyn or something, uh, one of these teams offering multiple picks for 15. If you're able to do that, maybe he'd be a nice addition to the team in the late part of the first round. But, uh, hey, we got draft day coming up tomorrow. We'll have one show before leading up to it. I will commit to taping a show late on Thursday night, too. I'll stay up real late. And um, after I get my uh, draft grades done for DebtNews.com, for the Detroit News, check those out late night, Thursday night after the first round um, into early Friday morning as well. But I'll stay up late and do kind of an instant reaction so you can have that right when you wake up on Friday morning. Uh, for the draft, and we'll kind of close the shows. Man, unless I'll probably that'll probably be it for the shows this week, but we'll come back with some more reaction on Monday as well here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast. This is your host Matt Shook of the Lockdown Pistons podcast, saying thanks for listening, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow, which will be draft day. How about that?